This is the Pro-AV Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration only on market scale. Nowadays, we put a lot of AV on the ones and zeros. They want more features, but they want to see less hardware. Welcome to Market Scale Pro AV. I'm your host, Sean He. You know, a lot of times when we're driving around any town, actually, um, there's something iconic, usually everywhere. Everybody has something iconic. I mean, if you drive into Las Vegas from the desert, what's the first thing you see? You see that sign. It's in, been in every movie about Las Vegas ever, I think. Welcome to Las Vegas. Big fancy. It's, you know, it, it doesn't change. It, it's an identifier. It's almost like the doorway. It's almost like the, the, the welcome mat. Hey, welcome to our city. Well, there is a, a neighborhood in Dallas that's known as Lakewood. And it has an iconic sign at the Lakewood Theater. What you don't think about is, well, yeah, that sign's always there. Well, guess what? You'd really notice it if it wasn't. My guest on the podcast today had the opportunity to make sure that that sign is always visible, and that is Mark Jackson. He is the National Account Manager for Kiefer Starlight Signs in Dallas. Mark, how are you today? I'm doing well, Sean. Thank you very much for the opportunity to come on and, and speak with you guys a little bit about the project and our involvement in it. Were you guys absolutely panicked when when Lakewood Theater came to you and said, hey, we want to do some work on our sign? That's a big, that's a huge, iconic piece. I, I would have been terrified, to be honest. I'm not sure it's much more of a panic, but it is a sense of wanting to maintain the originality of what the sign was. Uh, it has such a history um, from just within the neighborhood, what it is, all the way back to who made it. it. It's more of a pressure to maintain the nostalgia that's there and and not get involved in something where you change the, the look or the feel of what it is. Um, what makes Lakewood also unique is from a neighborhood aspect, there's not many other neighborhoods around that are so attached to the things within their community as the Lakewood and the Lakewood Theater. Usually a neighborhood is, uh, it, it picks up a name from either the, an original naming during the, the planning process. And that is usually, it can be based on uh, the largest street. It can be based on uh, a, a particular home or a founder's name. Um, and the Lakewood Theater was named the Lakewood Theater because it's in Lakewood, but I've had friends say to me that the theater is the reason that the neighborhood <laughs> is named that. Well, and and that is the age-old question of which came first. Um, the Lakewood was originally put up in 1938, um, and you found in that time, uh, theaters, when it became mainstream to have a theater, it became the centerpiece of these individual neighborhoods. And you see still some in Dallas, some Majestic, the Lakewood. Uh, you had the Forest Theater that's over on 45 and MLK. These were places that were, were erected to have a place where families could go and watch movies and be together. And, you know, that's what they did on Sundays. So, you know, th there's a lot of these theaters throughout the United States that were erected for that community feel. And that's how they all started. 
some have survived and, and some were you know, taken down and, and repurposed or bulldozed completely and rebuilt over. One of the things that is synonymous with theaters from the 30s and the 40s is their usage of neon for their channel letters. And as neon grew and some of the skills and techniques advanced, you were able to do much more wide-ranging artistic uses of neon. And then... In the 80s and 90s, as LEDs started to really hit the scene, it seems as if new designs didn't maintain their connection to that beautiful warmth and art that comes from neon. So it must have been a pleasure to get to work on such an iconic piece, knowing that, well, there's no way we're we're not changing it. Neon is what we're using, and it must have been neat to get to work in that medium. Uh, correct. And, and, you know, Neon back in the, the 20s and 30s through the 40s all the way up um, through the 60s was the primary light source for signage. We didn't have LEDs. We didn't really use incandescent bulbs. Fluorescents weren't what they are today. Um, so, so Neon was the only source for lighting. And sign companies had big Neon plants, and they would produce a lot of it. And as the advent of LED became available and they become much more cost efficient uh, to fabricate and they were so they lasted so much longer, neon did start to phase out. The difference between the neon and the LED now is there's a lot of LED tube that's made to replicate a, a neon, but it's just not the same. It doesn't have the same look and feel. It doesn't have the same nostalgic um, properties to it that makes neon what it is. In robotics, there's the concept known as the uncanny valley, where you've made a a robot face, right? And it looks almost human, but there's just something off and you can't tell what it is and it just feels weird. I get the sense that there's an uncanny valley when you try to replicate neon with LEDs. There's a certain warmth that no matter how precise the control you have over the LED, there's just... You just can't replicate it. Correct. And we we do have some processes where we can mold LED to simulate uh, a neon that goes inside a letter. But it's like you said, it's just it's just not the same. And and you you can tell that the LED, it's like you said, it looks close, but you just know something's not right with it. And, of course, when you're doing these historic restorations, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you never once consider replacing the neon with the facsimile because of and you mentioned cost um that the neon uh, that neon is a little more expensive but at some point you have to decide in a project look cost isn't the important factor here um the truth of the design is the most important is the deciding factor that's correct and in you know, with this type of project, when we first started discussing this with um, the architect and the owner, we did bring up LED and we did bring them some options and showed them. And, um, you know, we do want to provide them with everything that's available because it, LED is cheaper as far as the initial production, as well as the ongoing maintenance. Uh, you don't have LED get broken in a hailstorm. Uh, it just has a longer lifespan to it. But from a historical preservation neon is the way to go the thing that also makes neon unique is it's still 
handmade. It's, it's very handmade. It's a, um, a tube of glass that's open-ended on both sides. And the artist blows air through the tube as they heat that glass up. And there's a fine line between heating the glass up so much that it becomes a liquid and just falls into a puddle and not heating it up enough to where they can bend it. So they constantly blow air through that tube to keep that the tube cylindrical so they can bend it and hold the shape. So it's a really an art form. And that's part of what makes a cost what it is. It, it's not bent by a machine. It's not uh, spit out of, of something. It, it's hand bent by people. And we have one of the last full functioning neon plants in Dallas uh, with a, a single artist that comes in and blows all of our neon. So let's talk, we've talked about the aesthetic nature of neon. I want to talk about some of the benefits um, and some misconceptions because people, obviously, they think, as you mentioned, for example, oh, well, neon gets broken in a hailstorm and LEDs are a little more durable. But if cared for properly and installed properly and maintained properly, neon has a really good lifespan. It's very durable. It does. As far as the glass itself, um, when it's done correctly, it has a lifespan that, that can last, uh, you know, in theory forever. Uh, it's purely, it's a, it's a tube that's sealed, that's pumped full of either neon or argon gas. Uh, it has an electrode at the end that converts the power from uh, 120 volts up to about 17,000 volts, and that's what ignites the light. Well, as long as the, the gas stays inside the tube and the electrodes are functioning, that tube will last for a very, very long time. The, the issues with it that people typically have is that it takes a lot more power to do. It's, it's more expensive up front. And it also has that risk of, of being broken. But where we see it being used quite a bit is in the historical preservations, but we also have a number of clients that use it as design pieces, either inside of a restaurant or small areas that complement the other signage that's being fabricated. And those uses, some people would call those um, retro. I always thought that we should use a different word. Um, I don't know, something like maybe respectro or something, kind of as, as a homage as a style choice. Absolutely. Well, one of our customers, the Biscuit Bar, they've, they've got a couple locations open here in Dallas, and they want to have about 10 of them by the first part of next year. We do some sayings on the inside of the restaurant in Neon. And when you walk in, it's in a ton of Instagram pictures. It's in a lot of the Twitter fo photos and things like that. There are moments that people recognize it and they think, oh, that's really cool. That's, that's nostalgic. And that's what they want to be part of. So pictures get taken of it. And it's, it, it's something that's, uh, you can't replace it. It's, un, it's unforgettable. Uh, as my daughter just told me recently, Daddy, you don't have to tell everybody that something's cool. They know it. <laughs> exactly. I know that the company that made the Lakewood Theater uh, also built another iconic piece in Dallas that you had an opportunity to work on. Can you tell me a little about that? Sure. So the company that originally fabricated uh, the signage down there for Lakewood was a company called Textlight. Um, and they were originally located down off of Manor Way, just at the south end of DFW Air, or Lovefield Airport. And back in the 20s and 30s and 40s, the fabrication was very different. Um, they didn't have the paints that we do now. They didn't fabricate out of aluminum. Everything was made out of steel, and then they actually porcelain coated 
all of the steel. So the, the finishes that are on the Lakewood Theater, that's the exact finish color and everything from the 30s. Porcelain is an incredibly durable material that is very scratch resistant. It doesn't fade with color and it lasts well forever. I mean, we're, we're almost 90 years on the Lakewood and then it looks as good as the day it went up. Um, Textlight was also responsible for the Pegasus that sat on top of the building in Dallas for so many years. Um, that sign originally adorned the top of the, the mobile building, was removed, put into storage, and then there was an effort to replace the Pegasus that was on top of the building and go back to the border neon. And Kiefer Starlight was contracted to provide all that neon that goes on the current one that's on top of the mobile building. And we also do all the service work on it still. Um, and that, that again, is another project where you just can't do LED. Even though it's uh, 10, 15 stories up, you just can't do LED. It just, it needs to be neon. I, I don't want to ask you to, you know, choose between your favorite child. But, <laughs> and I cannot imagine that there's been another project that has been more impactful for you personally than the Lakewood and the Pegasus. Is there another project maybe that most of us don't think about that you're really proud to have been a part of? Well, there's a handful of things. I've had the opportunity to work with some clients that do programs globally. Um, I was part of a program a number of years ago. We installed signage in every civilized country in the world. Um, it It was incredible. We made, shipped, and installed signage all over. We got the opportunity to work with so many different people in so many different countries and come up on a common goal of something as, you know, as easily missed as signage. People don't look at signage and think, wow, that's really cool, unless it's something really unique. Most people use signage to get where they're going and they forget they ever saw it. So, you know, some of the things we do, uh, it means more to us internally because of, we know what it took to get things done. Um, but as far as just something that's cool, Lakewood is right there at the top. Um, at the end, it ended up being about 3,000 feet of neon and uh, just over a mile worth of wiring that was all replaced. So f- from, a, from a public wow factor, the, the Lakewood is, is one of my top projects. Okay, so you're setting up, a, you're now a tour guide. <laughs> Tell me a couple of places that I need to go see. Well, the Lakewood's certainly one of them. Uh, going downtown and seeing the original Pegasus, it's now installed at the ground level uh, is another one. And then, of course, you know, it's, uh, it can't always be about signage, but I, I like the old theaters. It's, it's really cool to go by the, the old Forest Theater that's at 45 and MLK. Um, Clyde Warren Park is also an incredible place to go by and see the Pro Museum. Um, the original El Phoenix is down there. You can get a, a margarita at the Originator, uh, which, which, again, is uniquely Dallas. I'm going to go ahead and assume you have a designer's heart. Obviously, you work in what can effectively be called the art industry. You really literally work with pieces of art. They're not just signage. They have grown and expanded in their importance so much. That has to give you a real sense of satisfaction at the end of every work day when you think, hey, I saved this thing or I got to work with this really important cultural touchstone that means a lot to a lot of people. Absolutely. And the, and the Lakewood was a big, a big stepping point for us because we had done some historical type of projects before. Um, the Lakewood has a ton of visibility. 
So upon completing that, we're, we're having discussions with, with two more theaters now um, in doing some restoration as well as a, a, another really iconic building. Um, it's all going to be neon type of restoration. It's all things they've come to us. They said, well, look, we saw what you did with Lakewood and that's exactly what we're looking for. And, you know, it's, we are unique that we can service these type of projects because not everybody can, uh, it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of your install time of being on site and, and doing things very meticulously to make sure things go upright and they continue working for a number of years. Now, the fact that Kiefer Starlight is one of the few remaining companies to be able to do this, I'm not going to lie, that, that makes me a little sad. It, it is. It's, it's a dying art. And uh, the artists that do the neon itself, they're becoming few and far between because, because nobody uses it as much. There's not as many people becoming trained in it. Um, so the last group that's actually doing this type of work now they're the only ones really responsible for being able to keep this going. So is there a chance you're going to go ahead and jump in and take the apprenticeship so you can become uh, uh, the next generation? N- no, I, I, I'm not sure that I have the patience for it. When I started back in the industry in 95, uh, we had probably 10 neon people that were in there making neon. And that's where I spent every break and lunch hour was watching them bend neon. And I just, it's an art form to watch, and, and I know my limitations. You can go ahead and tell me the horror story. I'm pretty sure you have one. You took a, you took a shot at blowing a tube one time, didn't you? I, I, I did not, actually. I, it, it's one of those things where it was you're blowing through that tube. If you, if you suck in instead of blowing out, I imagine it's a little uncomfortable because of the heat. So I never really jumped onto the end of that. Um, it's just I, I always loved watching it. It, it was incredible. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give you a task, Mark. It's Friday. It's, you know, it's almost Friday afternoon. It's summertime, probably a little mellow around there. I think you should take a, take a little break this afternoon and see if, just try your hand at it. You never know. You might be a natural. I, I could very well be. It's, uh, but I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll leave it up to the, the girl who does it for us now, Amy Enlow. She's, she's incredible at what she does and uh, it'll be a sad day when she decides that she doesn't want to do neon anymore. I have really enjoyed having the opportunity to talk to you, and I'm definitely looking forward to having a chance to talk to you about the next big success and the next project that you guys work on. Today, it has been my privilege to have a conversation with the National Account Manager for Keeper Starlight Signs here in Dallas, Mark Jackson. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time. This was really cool. Thank you, Sean, for having us. We're, we're happy to be here and uh, share a little bit about what we do. 